kids dismissed. And the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and go back to the book of James again. And we have been working our way through the commands of the book of James, a little different outline than we've ever used before, but the first command is to count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. The second is do not err. The third is let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. The fourth command is to have no respect of persons. And then this fifth command is just connected to so many things. It goes from uh, where we begin in chapter 3 and verse 1 all the way through uh, verse 7 of chapter 5. And then we're into uh, the closing comments almost of the book of James. And as we've looked at this being not many masters, we talk about... Uh, uh, offending and wanting to be in control. Uh, the Bible says that we control ships, we control planes, we control animals, but we don't control our own tongue. And then we deal with true wisdom versus worldly wisdom. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. And then we get to chapter 4, and uh, things are going to get rough again, even a little more than they have been. It says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother, and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judges another? And we'll just stop right there. Uh, James is painting a, a, a very uh, dismal picture here, but this is what will happen even in a church where worldly wisdom is allowed to have its way. Uh, when worldly wisdom is esteemed, this is what's going to happen. 
There's going to be wars and fightings. Uh, and it says, among you. Uh, that doesn't mean that you come to church with a gun. And, and, and But there, there are some times, and I've known of instances, praise God, not here, where, where people come to church and uh, you, would, you would think they're preparing for combat. Uh, they've got people there that they don't like and people there that don't like them. And, they're, and the Bible says, where does that come from? You know, only by pride cometh contention. If you got an issue, if you got something that just won't go away, uh, I can promise you there is pride uh, that's involved. And it says, lust that war in your members. You know, if you're upset and struggling in yourself, you think you can get along with anybody else? No, you have to have peace with God before you can have peace with anybody else. True peace. You have to be at peace in your own soul before you have enough strength and energy to keep other people from irritating you. And it's something that it's going to happen. I mean, James was not just making this up. This was going on in the lives of people who were going to read James' epistles. You know, I think if we skip ahead to verse 9, we'll we'll find out that a lot of people are actually um, having laughter and mirth and joy instead of dealing with these issues in their life. I mean, we have now some, what uh, I don't know what you would call it, I guess Christian stand-up comedians who stand behind the pulpit and joke and call it a sermon. And uh, they're, they're putting on some kind of presentation. The Bible says, listen, there are some things that we ought not be happy about. You can't be positive about everything. And we, we need to understand that if these strife and these wars and these things that are going in there... Let, let's just step back a, a step into James chapter 3, and what do we have? We look here in, in uh, verse 16, it says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion. And what's it say? Every evil work. Let's go back chapter 2. Uh, I'm sorry, verse uh, chapter 1. And verse 13 and 14, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. He's saying, listen, you're, you're wanting things. You're fighting for things. You're having strife among yourselves. You're desiring to have things that you cannot have. And the reason you don't have what you need is because you're not asking God for it. I can't remember where I ran into this uh, years and years ago, but someone said, Well, I couldn't ask God for that. Well, then stop trying to get it. Amen? Amen. 
Uh, stop worrying about it. If you can't pray and ask God for it, you don't need it. But then sometimes we get to a point to where we pray for things that we ought not be praying for. He says, ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. You know, God is not here to gratify us. God is not here to make your life pleasant. God wants us to be here to be His servants. And you know what? The most pleasant place in life is when you're serving God completely. Uh, The most joy and peace that you will have is when you're fully surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. When your eyes are on Christ and not on anyone or anything else, I'll tell you what, you're going to have that peace and that wisdom and the the ability to endure uh, difficulties. And we come here to verse 4, and you would think that James... Uh, had read Rick Warren's book on the purpose-driven life and the purpose-driven church. He said, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. But that is the theme of the purpose-driven life book, is you can have God and you can have what you want all at the same time. Now, He would never be so bold as to put it like that. But it's couched in terms of, well, God put these desires upon your heart, and if you will tell God what you really want, He will give it to you. Now, that's not a direct quote, but that's pretty close. God does not want you writing your desires over His. God wants to rewrite His desires over you. God wants to change everything about your life. And there is nothing out there in the world that is friendly toward God. There is no method. uh, I remember being sat down years ago by a preacher and he said, You need to understand something. It's marketing. If you're going to reach people, that's what we're supposed to do is reach people. Well, marketing is how you reach people. And I I was a very young preacher at that time, and he was a very powerful, one of those, you know, just big personalities kind of filled the room. And I'm just sitting here going, you know, I'd like to say something, but I really don't know how to say it. But marketing is how you sell products. And the last time I checked in my King James Bible, we're not selling Jesus. In fact, if the Holy Spirit doesn't draw them, even though they come to church every Sunday and put money in the offering plate, they're not going to heaven. And I I really don't want that. I want people who are at church because they're here to please God. We don't want a personality-driven church. We want a God-driven church. Amen? And there, there is nothing that the world is going to do for us that is going to help us. You, you've got to be moving 
I mean, you, you are moving in one direction. Nothing is stationary except God and His Word. That, I mean, this morning sermon, if you're going to be anchored to the rock, you've got to be anchored to Jesus. You know what? He has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't need uh, new methods. He doesn't need someone to review what's in the Bible and make it uh, uh, relevant. Jesus is... There's nothing more relevant than Jesus. There is nothing more relevant to life today than an old rugged cross. And our search to have friendship to... uh, one preacher put it this way, he says, listen, we're, we're, uh, you guys with your evangelism are going to mess things up. He says, I'm trying to build bridges. Uh, listen, I don't want a bridge from here to the world. We're to be throwing out the lifeline and dragging them in from the surging waves so that they can find salvation on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't print quality material and we shouldn't uh, be careful of typos and all of those things that we have to appear dowdy in order to be Christian. That's not the issue. But uh, one thing that I, by God's grace, will never, ever be is cool. I mean, some people just laugh putting me and cool in the same sentence. It just doesn't fit. I'm not going to be hip, I guess is what they say. Uh, I have no desire to be hip. Now, my brother bought me a pair of tennis shoes, and they are bright blue, and I wore them to the youth conference, and one of the guys said, How did you get tennis shoes that match the T-shirts? And uh, I said, I I don't know. Uh, My brother just bought me these shoes, and you happen to have the right color shirts this year at the youth conference. Uh, I'm glad that they weren't the bright yellow shirts of a couple of years ago. Uh, I wouldn't wear yellow shoes. But uh, the simple truth of the matter is, as we go through life, we shouldn't seek acceptance or approval or friendship. With the world. If you're moving toward the world, you're moving away from God. But just because you're isolated from the world doesn't mean you're close to God. Go to the monasteries. They were isolated from the world. And yet some of the greatest depths of human depravity and, and wickedness known to mankind occurred in those very buildings where they were dedicated to escape the world and all the problems that are in it to serve God. Do yourself a favor. Just trust me on that one and don't do the research. It, it, it is sordid, evil material. You see, just because you're isolated from the world doesn't mean you're close to God. But if you're making friends with the world, let me tell you something. You're going to become an enemy of God. Look at verse 5. Do ye think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? This is the natural direction. Don't, Don't be 
looking at this and saying, wow, you know, we, we've just been getting it heavy. We're working through the book of James on Sunday nights and, 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 uh, uh, we, uh, it's, it, it's been some, uh, rough, uh, sermons here and, and preacher, everything is doom and gloom. No, no, just wait a minute. James here says this is the natural direction of the human spirit. You shouldn't be shocked. This isn't something new. If, if you would just stop and look at your own life and say, how many of you have had some struggles in the last few weeks? Uh, that's what this passage is talking about. And the, our spirit lusteth to envy. That's where it's headed. And it says where there's envying and strife, there's every evil work. And so what are we going to do to cure this? Verse 6. But he, God, giveth more grace. I love that song we sang this morning. Grace greater than our sin. Amen. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace. God has more grace than mankind has sinned. That's why Jesus said it is finished. God has enough grace to solve your problem. And if you say, but pastor, I, I can't find that grace. I don't have it. And Well, let me, let me explain something to you. The only reason you don't have God's grace is because you're not willing to receive it. You know, that's what Hebrews chapter 6 is all about. It says they crucify to themselves the Lord again. You know, that's something you do, not something God's done. If you're saved, you accepted the one-time sacrifice of Christ for all sins forever. That's grace. Amen? If you've messed up so bad and you say, I don't, I can't, I, I can't expect anyone to forgive me. I'm not going to forgive myself. Let me tell you, that's pride. You're just adding more sin to what you've already done. What you need to do is understand, He giveth more grace. He's got more grace than you got sin. Now, that doesn't mean you go out and sin more. So, uh, the more I sin, the more grace I have. So, therefore, uh, there are people that have actually thought that. But the Bible said they weren't saved in the first place. That was the error of Cain. How many remember the story of Lamech? God said, if anybody kills you, I'm going to take vengeance sevenfold. And Lamech went out and murdered two people. And said, if anybody hurts me, God's going to avenge me 70-fold. <laughs> That's the way to get God's protection. Uh, that wasn't the only thing Lamech was wrong about. And uh, the simple truth of the matter is we need to get and understand that God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. God's grace is the answer. You know, we struggle with this thing of 
being many masters because it has so many applications. It's what we say. It's what we think. It's what we try to be in charge of. It's, it's what goes on in our innermost heart. You know, you can hide a lot of bitter envy and strife inside. But it's going to come out sooner or later. It's like a poison. It will eat through. It's going to cause you to have wars and fightings and arguments, even among people who are brethren, who both believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, but he giveth more grace. God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, this whole idea of many masters, so much of it would just completely disappear out of your life. If we could get humility, put it in a serum, and just give you a nice little shot in the arm. If we could stop thinking about me first, or how that person affected me, or how I feel about this situation, you know, humility takes care of those things. And we get some, and it says He's going to give us more grace. You know, sometimes in this life, God puts people who are just utterly aggravating to our soul. You know why? Because He wants us to come to Him and just humble ourselves in the sight of God and say, God, you put me here. I'm in this situation. I can't solve it. And just lay prostrate before the Lord. That's humility. You know what? He's not. He may not change that person one bit, but he'll change you and give you enough grace to put up with them. See how? I want him to change them. Uh, Well, why don't we just let God take care of who needs changing? Amen? And we'll let our nursery workers take care of that in the nursery. Amen? Uh, The simple... uh, I'm sorry, I keep saying that over again. But here we have some directions. He giveth more grace. That's the answer. If you want grace, you got to be humble. Here we go. Submit yourselves... Therefore, to God. How do I submit myself, therefore, to God? Uh, I'll tell you one easy way that uh, hopefully will be an encouragement to each one that is here tonight. Be in church on Sunday night. That's how you submit yourself, therefore, to God. Be to church on Thursday night. Be here, ladies, for ladies' prayer meeting. Uh, Submit yourselves, therefore, under God. Uh, That means you ought to be a member of a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. And I have one I recommend. Uh, If you're not baptized properly, submitting yourselves, therefore, unto God is saying, God, I'll get wet. I'll do that. We have some people that uh, may not be saved even here tonight. Uh, That's where it starts. When you get saved, you submit yourself. You give everything you are to the Lord Jesus Christ just as it is. And then let him figure out what he wants to do with it. I promise you, his plan for your life will be better than your plan for your life. 
Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. If you've got something in your life, I could tell you horror stories. Uh, being a pastor, just watching people and talking to people and counseling people. And they're just one little catch. One little area in their life where they're saying, you know, I'm just not going to do that. And they destroy their whole life. If there's something in your life you're not submitting to God about, that's where you've got to start. Because that's pride. And you're not going to get any more grace till you take care of that thing. It says, submit. That's your first direction. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. It says, resist the devil. Now, does that mean you go looking for him? I'll tell you what, you don't have to go far to look for the devil. Amen? How do I resist the devil? Well, how do you... Resist anything. How do you resist the urge to eat cannolis all day? You say, no, I'm not going into the store. I'm not going to buy one. I'm not going to do this. All you have to do is say no. You know, the devil is the world's biggest bully. You know how bullies push people around it's a word that's called intimidation the Bible says if you just say no the devil's going to run away from you like a scared little girly man why because your big brother is standing behind you his name is Jesus it's not you in fact it works better if you're standing behind your big brother Amen? We're not trying to demean the power and the ability of the devil. But it says here, resist him and he'll flee. You want the devil to leave you alone? I've had every once in a while I get a call and I say, I'm, I'm under a curse. Uh, I, I say, well, let me tell you something. we got church tonight. Why don't you just show up? I promise you the devil won't follow you in here. Really? said, so, well, we're all about teaching the Bible and praising God. And if there's anything that makes the devil run away, it's simply that. You want the devil to leave you alone, worship God. He will leave you alone. It says, resist the devil. He will flee from you. Then the next one is, draw nigh to God. I don't know if you've ever gotten... This place in your Christian life, I'll tell you, there will come a point where, you, where it does. You'll see your Bible laying there on the coffee table or on your bedside or somewhere, and the Holy Spirit will just kind of knock on your shoulder and, and say, you didn't read your Bible today. And you'll say, I don't feel like it. And just, that's not going to help. The Bible says, draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Have you ever had problems with just 
you know what's right to do, but it doesn't feel right. All the emotions are all messed up and fighting against you. Well, this is a solution for that. You see, if you take one step toward God, He'll take one step toward you. But His steps are a little bigger than yours are. Amen? If you'll draw nigh to God, He will draw nigh to you. He's there. He giveth more grace. What's the next one? It says here, there's a whole list of them. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. If you got a problem with sin, wash your hands. Stop doing it. Ask God for grace. It says, and it says, if you have a problem with that double mind, remember back chapter 1, let not that man think that he's going to receive anything of the Lord. If you got that double-mindedness, I mean, there's a, a reason why Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is one of the world's most favorite stories. It's how the good and righteous and pure Dr. Jekyll could get away with the most evil and debauched behavior. And the simple, the, the answer here is, you got to purify your heart. How do you purify your heart? Word of God. Just the Word of God. You, you've got to, your heart will love the things that you tell it to love. If you want to fall in love with an iPhone, let me tell you something. You can, you can do that. Uh, I'm not quite sure how that works, but I mean, if you look at something long enough and you desire it long enough, guess what? It will become the center of your intention. Listen, it says, purify your heart, ye double-minded. And look at verse 9. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Don't congratulate yourself. Because of sin. Well, I only lost my temper five times today instead of ten. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, That's not the way you get the victory. The Bible says that we need to mourn. That we need to stop looking to ourselves and stop thanking ourselves for nothing. It says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. We'll probably stop right there. How do I humble myself in the sight of the Lord? I'm so glad that that phrase, in the sight of the Lord, is there. How many of you remember Michael Landon with the little house on the prairie guy? And, uh, oh, he was such a loving father. How many of you know the true story of Charles Ingle Wilder? He was actually a drunken bum. And... His daughter rewrote the whole history of her family and made it one of the most loved children's stories and young people's stories. But that that was all fantasy. That wasn't life at all. 
But the character, the actor that played the character in the series, he said, just telling God you're sorry for your sins is not enough. You've got to do other things. You've got to... You've got to debase yourself in the sight of other people in order to gain God's uh, forgiveness. Well, that might be true if this verse weren't in your Bible. It doesn't say, humble yourself and the Lord will pick you up. That's what we call asceticism. That's where you give up things and you, you, you sit outside and in a pile of dirt and just sit there and do nothing. Uh, there was a fellow that um, just went outside of town. This is about 300 A.D. and piled up some rocks and sat on them. He said, well, what are you doing? He says, I'm getting away from the world. He said, I'm, I'm separating myself from the world to God. Before long, the pile of rocks was like 50 or 60 feet high and he had 3,000 people surrounding the pile of rocks so they could all escape the problems that were in the world. Sounds like the Occupy Wall Street group, doesn't it? You know, these things aren't new. People repeat the sins of the past. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, in the sight of God. Sight of the Lord. You see, God sees what's going on in my heart. And if I can allow Him to break my heart and humble my heart, that's like saying, Lord, I give you permission to pick me up and use me. You want to be used more, God? you got to humble yourself. You, you want to protect yourself from the strifes and the fightings and the wars and the things, uh, the, your own spirit that lusteth to envy? Well, here's the list of things. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Just do what the Bible says. Resist the devil. Draw nigh to God. Cleanse your hands if there's a problem with sin. Purify your heart if there's a problem with double-mindedness. Be afflicted. Get in the fight for holiness. And don't be proud of what you've done wrong. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And you know what? No one has to see what's going on except God. In fact, you'll probably do a better job if only the Lord sees you doing these things. Then He's going to pick you up. You know, sometimes a little child will run and they'll fall. And they'll just lay there. You know why? Not because they're hurt. They just want daddy or mommy to pick them up. They want to feel those strong hands protect them and say, Oh, it's all right. Did you hurt the sidewalk when you fell? And and, uh, other comforting things, teasing and, and, and getting them to stop looking at their hurt. God says, listen, I'll do that for you. I'll I'll do that for you. I'll pick you up as a parent does their little child. I'll comfort you and hold you and give you that security that you so desperately want. But you're going to have to do some things first. 
you know, maybe you just got to lay there for a few minutes. It's not that God's not paying attention. He is. But it's humble yourselves. Therefore, in the sight of the Lord. Humility hurts sometimes. Well, it is an injury to the human spirit all the time. Because the human spirit is bent on pride. But God will pick you up. And there's not a one of us that couldn't use a pick-me-up once in a while. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for even this dark passage of these horrible things happening among believers. And even perverting your prayer life. Lord, there's a promise in there. You give more grace. Lord, I pray that we would take advantage of the words of this passage. Lord, that you would pick us up. Let us continue serving you. We'll just take a moment. If you need to slip out of your seat.